Miles this all the time. I love when we play Stevie Wonder, but I hate when we play Stevie Wonder because it's talk radio, right? Which means I got to step on Stevie. <laughs> I hate stepping on Stevie. He sounds so good. And uh, love him. A friend and brother and supporter of this station, in fact. Uh, I hate stepping on him because he sounds so amazing all the time. But um, the conversation must go on. Uh, glad to have you in hour two of our program today. And in this hour, two conversations with two strong, brilliant uh, black women on the B side of this conversation, B side of this hour, I should say. On the back side of this hour, we'll talk to Nikema Levy Armstrong about her new children's book, J is for Justice, a social justice book for kids. Uh, Nikema, award winning civil rights attorney, racial justice advocate, uh, exec director of the Wayfinder uh, Foundation. So I look forward to talking to Nikema Levy Armstrong. Love her on the back side of this hour. We commenced this hour in conversation. Uh, about Women's History Month uh, and the historic journey that, that women have been on and the progress they've made or not made in sports over the past 40 years and prior to, I am honored and humbled to have on this program uh, decorated Olympic gold medalist and owner of the historic 27th Street Bakery in Los Angeles, Jeanette Bolden. Jeanette, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. No, it's good to have you on. Uh, let me start with the obvious. Um, when you When you think back, to that gold medal, 1984, uh, do, do, do you think about it all these years later? When you think about it, what comes to mind? <laughs> you know, I, I think about all the work that I've done year after year after mm -hmm. year and, you know, growing up in Compton and then my mother using her car to, to go to track practice with pies in the back saying you can only go to track practice if you deliver these pies and just remember all those things and then competing in L.A. with my home right there where people can see me. That's just something I will never forget. Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask that question. I, I can't imagine that it there's anything greater for an athlete, <clears throat> for an athlete, than to have grown up in a particular town, in this case, L.A., to have grown up in Compton, to have grown up in L.A., and to be appearing in the Olympics uh, in '84 that was staged in Los Angeles, uh, that had to be a big deal. To, to your point, to be seen by family and friends, but just to do it in L.A. had to be significant for you. It was. I mean, L.A. was just a magical place. It just is. It seems so different, you know, growing up in L.A., but. Doing the uh, whole Olympic experience, being in the village and everything, it just seemed like a different place to be mm -hmm. at. And it was just phenomenal. And then I remember after the Olympics, my mother had signs outside the house, and I went to a lot of my friends and family to show them my medal. It was it was great. No, I'm sure, I'm sure. And now the Olympics are headed back to back to LA again. We got we, we, they're coming back our way again, Jeanette. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be magical, and LA is going to put on a phenomenal show. No, I was um, one of the reasons why I am in L.A. right now all these years later is because I um, watched the Olympics in 84 and I watched uh, the amazing job uh, that the black mayor, the first black mayor of this city. We are now pleased to have Karen Bass as the second African-American, the first woman. She joined us uh, earlier this week for a big Black History Month program that we did honoring some local black media legends. And we were just with the mayor 48 hours ago. Um, <clears throat> but I, I celebrate her being there, but I had the honor of working for Tom Bradley, um, in 85 that happened because in 84, I watched uh, Jeanette, the amazing job he did with the Olympics. Uh, he, uh, as the mayor, Peter Uberoth, uh, who you recall was head of the Olympic committee. Then they staged an amazing Olympic games. And there are two things about that that still stand out for me. Uh, the Olympics prior to that had a habit 
of breaking cities. The city of Montreal is still recovering all these years later from the Olympics they hosted in that in that city, in that country. The Olympics cost, uh, you know, billions of dollars to, to stage, obviously. And cities have to, you know, when they when they when they uh, put their name in the hat to be considered as host city, there's a serious commitment that comes along with that. <clears throat> and you can't pull that commitment off without putting in some public money. But you got to raise a whole lot of private money to stage that it costs a lot of money. You can imagine to stage a, uh, an Olympic Games competition. Uh, but Tom Bradley and Peter Uberoth did the 84 Olympics so well in the 84. It's not just all the stuff we remember from Flo Jo to Jeanette Bolden to, to Carl Lewis and all the great athletes who won these medals in 84. It wasn't just that. It was that when the Olympics were over in Los Angeles, there was a $200 million plus surplus. That's what this black yeah. man did with Peter Uberoth, uh, this white brother. The two of them got together. And when the Olympics were done, the city of L.A. had $200-plus million in surplus. That's how well the Olympic Games were run in the city. Now watch this. All these years later, 2023, they are still distributing that money from the 84 Olympics to all kinds of programs in this city. One of the sponsors of our event the other day was the L.A. 84 Olympic Committee, one of the sponsors of our Black History Month program, Honoring these black legends in L.A. That's what Tom Bradley did. That's what Peter Uberoth did in 84. They ran those games so well that 200 plus million dollars were left over and they are still giving the interest and the money away all these years later. That's how you run a city. That's how you pull off an Olympic Games. Uh, note to Karen Bass. She already knows that. But that's how you pull off an Olympic Games. And so it wasn't just, again, the great stuff on the field, uh, on, the, on, on all the fields of competition, but the mayor did an amazing job. And I was so honored um, and so humbled to just watch this brother pull this off that in 85, I started begging for an internship to work with Tom Bradley. And I eventually got that internship. <laughs> I was at Indiana University. I got the internship. I moved to L.A. to intern for Tom Bradley. The internship turned to a job. I moved to L.A., became my home, and here I am all these years later in L.A. because I was so turned on by how successful the 84 Olympics were, and Jeanette Bolden was one of the stars of those Olympic Games. More with her uh, about black, uh, about Women's History Month, uh, Black Women's History Week, and the, the, the progress that women have made since 84 uh, in the world of sport. You're listening to Jeanette Bolden on KBLA Talk 1580. It's Black Women's History Week. It is uh, Women's History Month, and we're honored to be in conversation with decorated Olympic gold medalist and owner of the historic 27th Street Bakery here in L.A., Jeanette Bolden. We'll talk about that bakery in a moment here. Um, uh, somebody just texted me and said, you said there were two things about the 84 Olympics that stood out for you. You only told one. One, yes, was how well Tom Bradley and them um, exhibited uh, those, uh, uh, hosted those games uh, back in 84. The second was there was no traffic. <laughs> the streets were the streets were completely <laughs> empty. They scared, they, scared, they scared people in L.A. Do not get in your car. The traffic's going to be a nightmare. And everybody got so scared. They took public transportation, but the streets were empty, and I hadn't seen it like that since the pandemic. <laughs> when the pandemic happened, all the streets were empty again. I was like, man, this feels like 84 during the Olympics, when everybody was scared and nobody came out of their house. Uh, so I, I, we, we, those who were here then remember that. You love the fact that the streets were just empty. No traffic. It was a, it was a great uh, great summer uh, of 84 for those who are, were here and remember that. And hopefully the Olympics, uh, when they come back here uh, a few years from now, 
will be as successful for the city uh, as they were the first time around. But Tom Bradley put some heat on them uh, if they're going to do it a second time around. Um, let me let me ask you uh, before I get into the bakery, uh, which I'm excited to talk about, Jeanette. Um, since we're in Women's History Month and Black Women's History Week, give me your take on the progress that women have made or not made in sport, all sports, over the over the past 40 years as you see it. You know, the, the thing that sticks out in my mind the most is that women, especially black women, are embracing their motherhood, meaning they can, they can be an athlete, mm. but they can also be a mother. Because at first, a lot of women were putting being mothers on hold mm-hmm. well now you have now you have universities that are offering well instead of having a, a male coach that you give you know complimentary passes to to a golf course well now a female coach well i just want to have i would just want to have child care mm-hmm. can you bring can my kids come can their babysitter come can you have accommodations well they didn't have that before mm-hmm. And so at, you have so many women that are coaches and are mothers and wives, and they, they're, try, they're making sure that they can show that you can have it all. And even in athletics, you know, the foundation that Allison Felix has, mm-hmm. you know, helping athletes that are going to different competitions and allowing them, you know, to pay for their kids and to pay for child care. Those things, are they're just now becoming important where there always been a struggle Mm -hmm. and i think that that has been a big change that i've seen also i see the versatility that women are showing especially black women i can i can do this i can play tennis i i can run track i can do so many different things i can be a gymnast i can do so many more things i can play softball basketball and i think showing that versatility and showing that they can do it all. That is just bringing so much glamour to the sport. So now you're just not watching the Olympics. Oh, let me see how the guys are going to do. No, you're watching the Olympics. Did you want to see how these ladies are going to do? (laughs) And there's so many people, so many young women out there that are looking, they have people to look up to now. And I think that's so important moving forward that it's, it's enlightening and also at the same time, these black women are giving back to the community with foundations and helping and pulling the next generation up. And that's what I, I'm encouraged about. Yeah. Do, do you think that uh, that women sports, uh, professional sports, are finally getting the respect they deserve from the media networks? Are they getting the kind of uh, attention and, and uh, spotlight um, from from uh, all the sports networks, there's so many. That, I mean, you were when you ran '84 in the Olympics, you know there were there were a few networks, right? Now you got a, a number of sports networks. That's all they do is sports 24 hours a day, and there's more than one of them now. It ain't just ESPN no more. Um, so do you think they're getting the respect they deserve, women professional sports now from uh, from sports media? Yes and no. Yes, because mm-hmm. you see so much, a lot more attention to women's basketball. Mm-hmm. And then they're getting a lot of attention, and they can still do better. But at the same time, there are so many other sports that they can highlight. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see a lot more sports being highlighted on a lot of these different networks, opposed to just highlighting everybody at at the Olympics or the World Championships. You got to go, you know. 
they do show College World Series for softball, mm-hmm. but I would like to see more on a regular, regular basis. It's, it's, it's very nice, and it's encouraging to see so many female reporters yeah. on the sidelines, you know, the, the NFL and, and the NBA. It's, 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 it's phenomenal to see that. Yeah, there's been, there's, And they're, they're highlighting so many female coaches, like in the WNBA, but I like to see more. Nope, I hear you on that, uh, uh, and I, I I resonate with the point about the sideline reporters. I mean, some of the best sideline reporters in these sports uh, that we watch these days are are women. The NFL sideline yes. reporters, NBA. I mean, some of the best sideline reporters <laughs> are women. Uh, and mm-hmm. so uh, somebody said sometimes the best man for a job is a woman, <laughs> and so <laughs> they they're they're doing an amazing job uh, on these sidelines. And so I I, I uh, agree with you in that regard. One last question on. Uh, the progress made or not made as we discuss um, this issue in Women's History Month, Black Women's History Week, and that is the issue of, of pay. Uh, this is a long-standing conversation, as you know, about pay equity when it comes to women in professional sports versus men in professional sports. Your thoughts about the issue of pay equity, or put another way, pay inequity, Jeanette Bolden? <laughs> it, it, it's not fair. Yeah, It is not fair. And, I mean, even when I was coaching, when I was coaching at 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 at, at UCLA, mm-hmm. I'm there forever, and they, they brought another coach in, and he was paid more than me, and did not even have the accolades that I had. Mm-hmm. And there's no way you can explain that. And there's so many women out there, coaches and athletes, that can that can give you examples over and over. I mean, women's soccer had to fight, mm-hmm. and they were <laughs> so much more popular than men. Soccer had won more titles, but at the same time, they were not getting paid. Yeah, I mean that was that was televised and it was known. And in women's basketball, I mean that's 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 just horrible what's going on. So yeah, it, something has to be done. Yeah, plain and simple. Nope, I, I receive it. Um, so you you made your mark on the Olympic stage in '84. Um, you made your mark beyond that as a coach at UCLA and other institutions, uh, and. And now here you are in the entrepreneur lane as the owner of the historic 27th Street Bakery here in the city of Los Angeles. Tell me about that journey, Jeanette Bolden. <laughs> you know, that, that that journey started with my grandparents coming yeah. from Sweetport, Louisiana, and landed on 27th and Central. And as you know, Central Avenue was a hotbed hot mm-hmm. for African Americans that came from the South. And Matter of fact, my when they started as a restaurant, Mayor Tom Bradley walked the beat there. My grandfather used to serve him all the time. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Tom Bradley, and it went from my grandparents went to hand it down to my mother and brother in 1980, and uh, they just continued to thrive. And in 2008, my sister, myself, and my husband continued that legacy because one thing that we want to do is have a legacy of 27th Street Bakery. Mm-hmm. We want pies on everybody's table. And I'm like, why not? If other companies can have a legacy for years and years, how how, how come we can't? Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why we're doing what we're doing. I have grandkids, and I want them, I want this bakery to be there for them. Yeah. What 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 is it like? Um, because these stories are not stories that, sadly, we get a chance to tell too often where a black business gets passed down to three generations. This is the third, uh, fourth iteration of, of owners, to your earlier point, uh, who controlled the 27th Street Bakery, but it stayed in this same family. 
But that is not a story we hear often, Jeanette, where it passes down two, three, four generations. Usually after the first generation, it, it, you know, the, the data is clear. After the first generation, it goes by the wayside. Black businesses just don't get passed down uh, to different generations. I'm thinking now of Ebony and Jet. Uh, I love John H. Johnson, the founder of Ebony and Jet magazines, and it got passed from him to his daughter, Linda, and it stopped there. Um, and, uh, Linda did all that she could, but didn't, couldn't hold on to it. Um, and so uh, black enterprise is a magazine that has been passed down from Earl Graves to his, his children. They're still holding on to black enterprise. Uh, and those are just two publications that come to mind immediately. But again, I, it's hard to think of a long line, a, 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 a litany of black owned businesses that have been passed down two, three, four generations. Uh, and they're still, and they're still thriving and they're still surviving. What's been the trick? Uh, what's, what's, what's the story behind why 27th street bakery historic here in LA, uh, is still in the same family generations later. You know, I, I think it's the, our soul is, is the fabric is, it's what we've done. I mean, like I said earlier, I couldn't use my mother's car unless I go deliver and pot for it to go to track practice. <laughs> it's just what 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 you do. But I think it's it's also as a double edged sword because you also see the struggle. Mm. You see you know, you see your parents or your grandparents wearing five different hats. You know, mm. you, you have to bake, you have to cook, you gotta go pick up supplies, you gotta do payroll. You see them struggling and and that's not a that's not fun mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah not fun not fun at all to see that so i think with us we've been able to have our own quote unquote life i was able to run track and do the things i wanted to and then come back and the bakery was still there uh, my nephew who is now the fourth generation he just retired from his job and now i am training him to go on with the family legacy. So he was able to do his life, mm. quote unquote, and now the bakery is there. And now, you know, he will be able, the torch is going to be passed on to him when he has, you know, when things settle down, he can learn. But I think that's what it is. You have to be able to have your quote unquote life and then make sure that the bakery or the, the business is still there, that you can still continue in. You know, um, the man upstairs has just really blessed us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't need to, I don't need to tell you this. You you know it better than I do. Um, but this city has changed demographically, as have other cities across the country. And twenty uh, seventh and Central doesn't look the same way it does. It doesn't look the way now it did when Tom Brady was walking that beat back in the day. Uh, your grandfather was <laughs> serving him coffee. It's a very different demographic in that area now. How has that challenged um, this black business? to thrive and survive, given just the demographic changes in the neighborhood? You know, uh, uh, we've been able to continue because we're, we, we are wholesalers. Mm-hmm. So we deliver to your grocery stores, and we have over 100 mom-and-pop eateries. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we've had, we have altered our menu a little bit. We've offered more product. We didn't, my grandfather never had a pumpkin pie mm-hmm. on his menu. Mm-hmm. We have pumpkin pie on our, on our menu. We have a sweet pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. We have more cheesecake. So we have a lot more products that uh, is accepted or a lot more people enjoy our products. Yeah. Um, when you think about 
the fact that you're now, to your point, headed to your fourth generation of ownership um, in this business, the historic 27th Street Bakery. Um, why do you think it survived all this time? It's one thing to celebrate this story, which we do celebrate, but I'm just curious as to why you think it survived all these generations. I think it's just the commitment and the resiliency of my grandfather and then to my mother and brother and now to, to myself, my husband and my sister. It's just that resiliency is that not taking no for an answer. It's, it's, it's that, you know, me being in athletics, if, if you're starting blocks, if you don't get out the blocks fast enough, you're going to lose the race. We need to figure out how to get out the blocks fast <laughs> enough. You know, yeah. if you run it, you know, if you're, you're in the race with the hurdles, if, if you don't get over that first hurdle correctly, you got to make an adjustment so you can get over the second, third, and the fourth all the way to the end. But you have 10 hurdles to go over. Mm-hmm. So you just have to keep going over those hurdles over and over and over. And if, if your left leg doesn't come down right, you got to make sure the left leg comes down right the next time. So you mm-hmm. just got to keep doing it. And that's that athletic mindset that I have. And every holiday season for me is like the Olympic Games because it's, 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 it comes one time a year for us, mm-hmm. and it's total chaos. <laughs> but it's great when holiday season is over with. Yeah, yeah, I, I love I, I, I love sports analogies. Period. But I love, and I expect it. I said I'm going to ask her something at some point. She's going to give me a sports analogy. I knew it was coming at some point. And there, there is <laughs> there's a sports analogy analogy that I, that I love so much. Here's my exit question uh, for those who are listening right now who are, are thinking about or just now getting started. Uh, as African Americans owning their own businesses, what advice after all these years uh, and this uh, this bakery, 27th Street Bakery, being in your family and watching your grandparents and watching your parents and your siblings now, um, what advice would you give to those who are just getting started out uh, in the entrepreneurial lane as African American business owners? Stay in it for the long haul. If mm. you're going to do it, do it. You have to. You just you're going to have to have tough skin. A bank might tell you no. Everybody may not like your product, but you have to stay with it. In life, it's just—it's not just a sprint; it's a marathon. You got to stay in it. That's just—that's your—that's your third analogy. There you go. I got it. (laughs) It's not—it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. Yeah, you can't—you can't talk to athletes without expecting some sports analogies, and that's why I love sports. Though I love sports because they are so, in fact, analogous to the lives that we live. I love sports because when you watch a great athlete like Jeanette Bolden at the 84 Olympics or any number of other great athletes and you watch them do what they do at a level of success that makes you jump up and down and cheer for them and celebrate them, it reminds us in our lives, we're not athletes, but in our lives every single day, if you do what they did, if you practice, uh, if you get your mind right, if you eat right, if you get some sleep, if you if you bring your best uh, to your performance, whatever it might be, you too can win just like they win. So sports for me are just inspiring and reminds us I can do what Jeanette did in my own lane if I make the sacrifice that Jeanette made to be the best in the world, and indeed she was. I've enjoyed this conversation with decorated Olympic gold medalist and owner of the historic 27th Street Bakery here in L.A., Jeanette Bolden. Jeanette, all the best to you in the coming months and years. You guys have got a good track record. You don't need my good luck. You, you guys have been doing it for all these years already, but just keep it up and good to have you on our program. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Thank you. The same to you. More after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580.